tablets this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. And I'm going to give you some extra time to find the book of Jonah. It's located in the division in the Old Testament that's called the Minor Prophets. Not to be confused with the major prophets, if you find Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Daniel, you want to keep going, you're going to, you're going to run into the minor prophets, and Jonah is in between Obadiah and, and Micah. We are in the middle of our summer series here at Bethel Church that we are calling Shore Points, Lessons from the Beach, and we are looking at stories. We are looking at moments, we are looking at events that occurred in the Word of God, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament that occurred in, on, or around the water, the beach, or the shoreline. And so this morning we have come to the story of Jonah, a rebellious prophet who runs from the Lord. Are you there this morning? If you're ready to go, say amen. Verse number one, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Imitai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose, not to go to Nineveh, it says, to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the very presence of the Lord. Now fast forward to verse number 11. Then they said to him, these are the sailors, what shall we do to you so that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. This is a raging sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. The boat's getting ready to break apart. Verse 14. Therefore they cried out to the Lord, and they said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, and they threw him into the sea. The sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now Jonah had prepared, I'm sorry, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth, it's strong, it's powerful. I pray this morning, God, that your word would go forth, God, in boldness to accomplish its intended purpose. I pray, God, this morning that we wouldn't be quick to dismiss these words and to say, this is not for me. This is for my spouse. This is for my child. This is for my friend. This is for the person sitting next to me. But, God, we would consider these words this morning. Be glorified in all things. We pray these things. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Jonah is a short book. 
It's only four chapters. It's 48 verses in total. And you have to understand, this is not a story about a prophet. And this is not a story about a city. This is not a story about a a, a great fish. This is a story about God. Amen? God's plan. God's purpose, God's will. You have to understand in the book of Jonah, there are only 48 verses and God is mentioned 38 times in 48 verses. Chapter number one, Jonah's going to run from God. In chapter number two, Jonah's going to run to God. In chapter number three, Jonah's going to run with God. In chapter number four, Jonah's going to run against God. But our story begins in verse number one with the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Remember, this is a story not about Jonah, not about a great fish, not about a great city. This is a story about God. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What is that word in verse number two? It says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Did you notice the words, arise, go, and cry? We know in the Hebrew text, they are imperatives. And what that means is God is not suggesting to Jonah that he go to Nineveh. God is commanding Jonah, the prophet of the Lord, to go to Nineveh. And the mandate is clear. It's unmistakable. It's preach a message of judgment. Preach a message of warning. Tell them that God is going to judge them. God is commanding Jonah to go to Nineveh. He's not saying, Jonah, if you have some time, Jonah, if you can fit it into your schedule, God is saying, go to Nineveh, that great city. This is his commission. And Jonah fully understands God's instructions and his directives to him. Now, let me just take a moment here. And talk about Nineveh. You have to understand that the Lord is mentioned 38 times in the book of Jonah. But the word great is mentioned 14 times in the book of Jonah. There's a great wind. There's a great fish. And the scripture says that there was a great city and the city was Nineveh. Nineveh was great in its size, large by ancient standards. But Nineveh was great also in its sin, its cruelty, its brutality. The Bible says their wickedness had come up before the Lord. When God said Nineveh was wicked, he wasn't kidding. Nineveh had a reputation for cruelty that's hard for even you and I, with all that's happening in our world today, hard for you and I to fathom. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. We know that the Assyrians, they were enemies of God, and the Assyrians, they they were enemies of God's people. Yet in spite of their wickedness, Nineveh and the people mattered to God. Amen? It's a theme that's going to resonate throughout this book that lost people matter to God. Amen. It's God's will that none should perish. 
And so God said to Jonah, arise, go and cry against that great city. Now, what's Jonah's response? The scripture says that Jonah rose, but Jonah didn't rise to go to Nineveh, but instead he rose to travel to Tarshish. Tarshish is the farthest point known to Jonah. You see, Nineveh was 500 miles by land northeast. Tarshish was the Phoenician port in Spain, and Tarshish was 2,000 miles away west by sea. This was as far as Jonah could possibly go in his attempt, in his effort to get away from Nineveh and to run from the word of the Lord and to run from the call of God. If Jonah could have gone to the moon, Jonah would have gone to the moon. Let me put Jonah's response in perspective for you and I this morning. The furthest city from where we are right now. Not the furthest point because the furthest point might actually put us in the sea or or the ocean or the water. But the furthest point from where you and I are right now is Perth, Australia. It's 11,000 and 700 miles away from where we are. And this is how Jonah responded to the word of the Lord. This is how Jonah responded to the call of God to get as far away as humanly possible. God said to Jonah, young man, I want you to go east. And Jonah responded by saying, thank you very much. I think I'll head west. Now, why did Jonah resist the call of God? I believe Jonah resisted the call of God and, again, the word of the Lord for two reasons. Number one, I believe that that Jonah feared his life. Would his message ever be heard? Would he come out of Nineveh alive? Jonah was well aware of how the Assyrians treated their enemies and, and the atrocities that would normally occur. But I also believe that Jonah had a heart problem. You see, the Assyrians had no use for the Jews, and the Jews hated the Assyrians, hated their bloodthirsty cruelty, hated their idolatry, hated their arrogance, and he had no desire to see God bless these people. He had no desire to see Nineveh turn from their sin. He wanted them to receive the judgment that they so richly deserved. He wants to see them punished. He wanted justice to prevail. Look at verse number three. It says, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. Now, let me stop and say this. Whenever you're running from the call of God, I believe there's always a boat that's waiting to take you there. Amen. There's always a boat that's, that's waiting and ready to take you there. Transportation is never really an issue. So he paid the fare. <clears throat> he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Here is Jonah fleeing. And what is Jonah fleeing from? The very presence of Almighty God, can I tell you, church, this is a scary place.
place to be in life when you're running and you're fleeing from the very presence of Almighty God. And the scripture is clear. There is a time to flee and we are to flee certain things. The word of God says that we're to flee idolatry. It says we're to flee the love of money. The word of God says we're to flee youthful lust. But here is Jonah twice in verse 3. We see the phrase from the presence of God. Jonah is fleeing from the very presence of Almighty God. He becomes a man. He becomes a prophet on the run and he's now running from God. He's running from the word of the Lord. He's running from the call of God upon his life. Do you remember the last time that you ran from God? Oh, Pastor Joe, I've never run from God. Sure you have. We all have. Let me give you a thought this morning. When God tells us to do something and we do the opposite, we are running from God. You may be walking, but you're still running. You may be sitting but you're still running. You may even be here this morning. You may have your suit on and you may be going through the motions, but you're still running. We've all done it and we've all paid the high price because of our running. And it's why so many in the church are experiencing trouble and adversity. Running, running is one of the most common characteristics of man when he's in distress or experiencing trouble. Or when afraid. How many times have we heard people say, I just want to run. I just want to get away. I just want to escape. I just want to get as far away as I can from this experience. From this moment. King David wanted to run from the troubles of his life. Psalms 55, he said, fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away. This is, this is the psalmist David said, I want to fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away, stay in the desert. We run from creditors. We ignore phone calls. We ignore warnings. We run from difficult relationships. We run from the IRS. But in the case of Jonah, he's running from the call of God. He's running from the word of the Lord. And maybe some of you here this morning, you're on the verge of running. Running from God. Running from faith. Running from life. I want you to look closely at verse number three. Because it'd be easy to miss this. It says, so he paid the fare. Do you see that? He paid the fare. You see, there's no way to sin without paying a price. There's no way to run from God without paying a price. It cost Jonah to run from God. The scripture says he paid the fare. 
In fact, many Jewish scholars believe that Jonah was so impatient that he purchased the balance of all of the tickets so that the boat could depart immediately. And we just don't know, but the scripture says Jonah paid the fare. In church, you have to understand from Genesis to Revelation, the scripture is clear. There are consequences to sin. And there is a price to pay because of our sin. Why consequences? Is it because God doesn't love us? No. God loves us. He cares about our future. He cares about our lives. He cares about what happens to you and I. Jonah's going to discover that when you run from God, the trip is going to take you farther than you want to go. It's going to be more costly than you want to pay, and it's going to be more difficult than you want to endure. You see, church, God has a plan for all of our lives. We may attempt to resist the plan of God, but you have to know today, it's going to cost you to disobey the Lord. The scripture says that he paid the fare. Now, most of the time when a boat is departing, you you stand outside on the deck and you stand against the, the, the rail. And, and what do you do when a boat is departing? You wave to all of your friends and to, to your, your family that has come to see you off. And, and, and you stand there and you wait un, un, until the boat gets so far away that you can no longer see your friends. You can no longer see your family that has come to, to see you off. And then after that point, you go and enjoy the activities on the boat, but this is not the case with Jonah. The scripture says that he goes down to Joppa and then he goes down again immediately inside of the boat. And from this moment on, from this point on in the story, don't miss this church. We're going to see Jonah moving in a particular direction and he's moving down. Jonah goes down to Joppa. He goes down into the boat. Then he goes down deeper inside the boat. Then he lays his head down and then he falls asleep. Then Jonah goes down into the water and then Jonah goes down inside of the fish. Let me give you another thought this morning. Every step out of the will of God is a downward step. Whenever you choose to disobey the Lord, you go down. You cannot disobey God and go up. You might think you're going up. You might think that because you got a job and because you got a raise and because you got a promotion and because you bought a new car that you're going up. But can I tell you, church, if you're running from God, you're not going up. You're going down. Jonah goes down into the boat. He's running. He's hiding from the presence of the Lord. But in all of his running, Jonah forgot a few aspects of the nature of the God that he served. And it's this, that God is all-knowing and that God is ever-present. You see, church, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources to run from God. Sooner or later, you're going to come face-to-face with God. And Jonah is running from the word of the Lord. But what he didn't realize is that the word of the Lord was running after Jonah. And church, I want you to know, when we start to run, God has many ways of getting our attention. Look at verse number four. It says, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. Who sent the wind? Who sent the wind? What kind of wind? 
The word sent literally means to hurl. It's the same word that we find in the Hebrew text in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 11 where Saul cast or, or the scripture says Saul hurled a spear at David and Jonah is running from the word of the Lord and Jonah is running from God and so, so the Lord is going to hurl like a great spear, a great wind on the sea and our text says it was mighty, a great tempest on the sea, so great was the wind that God hurled upon the sea. <clears throat> Let me give you another thought this morning. When God commands us to do something, he does not withdraw his command simply because we ignore it or choose not to obey. You see, running away from the Lord doesn't release us from his commands, whether we refuse outright or we quietly choose to pursue our own agenda. We simply cannot silence his call. And so now here is Jonah. He's running physically. He's running spiritually. And God's going to intervene to, to turn him around by hurling a great wind upon the sea. I hope you're getting something from this this morning. Amen. Look at verse number five. It says the mariners were afraid. And every man cried out to his God. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. Let me give you a forethought. Your disobedience will bring pain and hurt and loss to others around you. It may be loss of time. It may be loss of finances. It may be loss of relationships for Jonah. His sin greatly affected all of the sailors on board. They lost their cargo. They were on the verge of losing their boat. It's getting ready to break in half. They're, they're on the verge of, of, of losing their lives. You see, church, it's impossible to sin and not hurt others in those around us. When a man or a woman decides to abandon his or her family, it will greatly impact all that are involved, in particular the children. The children will suffer when a person gets involved and abuses addictive substances, especially alcohol or drugs, who suffers with them? Who suffers alongside of them? You see, church, your disobedience will bring pain and loss to those around you. So let me ask you a few questions this morning. What's in your life that God doesn't want in your life? And have you counted the cost of your rebellion? Have you considered the consequences. You see, church, you make your choices in life and then your choices will make you. The mariners respond to the storm 
in two ways. Scripture says they cried to their gods. Again, these are not servants of God. The, these are pagan mariners. And so they would have cried out to the sea goddess. And they would have cried out to the god of the sky. And they would have cried out to the god of the mariners. And then the second thing they do, the Scripture says, they begin to, to again, we're talking about loss here. They, they, they throw their cargo that's in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. And we don't know why this storm terrified the, these veterans of, of the sea. Perhaps it was the size. Perhaps it was the suddenness of the storm. Perhaps it was the strength or the intensity of the storm. This was not your normal storm. And there was something supernatural about this storm that forced them to the conclusion that God was causing the storm. Look at verse 5. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Someone finally speaks up. You have to understand what's happening. You have all these veterans, these mariners of the sea, and, and, and there's panic and there's fear on this boat. And, and there, there's wind and, and there, there's rain and there's sideways rain and, and they can't see what's in front of them and they're screaming and they're yelling to one another and they're crying out to all of their gods and they're taking their boxes and their cargo and they're throwing everything on board and then someone wipes the rain off his face and says, hey, where's the prophet of the Lord, Jonah? The world is coming apart around Jonah. Everything is coming unglued. The foundations are being shaken. Yet Jonah is completely oblivious to all and all of the turmoil that's around him. You see, church, sin will do that to a believer. Sin will cause us to have deaf ears to the cries of others and blind our eyes to all that's going around us. Look at verse number six. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Church, I want you to consider the irony. Consider the words rise and call. Aren't these the exact words he heard from God? Now he's being told by a pagan sea captain to rise and to call. You see, church, the last thing Jonah wanted to do was pray to God. Remember, who is Jonah running from? Jonah is running from the presence of God. And Jonah is drained spiritually. And he's lost. Here's a prophet. He's lost his voice for God. And he's lost his power in prayer. And he's lost his desire to pray. The heathens are praying and Jonah is sleeping. The heathens were trying to find God, but Jonah is running. And there are some of you here today, you're drained spiritually. There's no passion in your walk with God. There's no joy in your heart. Maybe it's because you're running this morning. And they finally, I know these are tough words, but they finally realize, hey, this isn't working. This isn't working. We need to do something else. So they come up with a new strategy. Look at verse number seven. They said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Reminds me of Proverbs 
16 and verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. It's not surprising. Verse 7 says, the lot fell on Jonah. Let me give you another thought, church. You can run, but you can't hide from God. You can run, but you can't hide from God. The scripture says the lot fell on Jonah. It's impossible in life to run and to hide from God. Adam and Eve in the garden prove that you can't hide from God. And Jonah on the Mediterranean Sea proves that you can't run from God. And Psalms 139 teaches there's no place to go where you can hide from God. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell you are there Jeremiah chapter 23 says can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him says the Lord do I not fill heaven and earth says the Lord Jeremiah chapter number 16 in verse 17 for my eyes were on all of their ways and they are not hidden from my face nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes these scriptures teach that you cannot run and you cannot hide from all Almighty God. You see, I happen to believe that there are three things that man tries to hide from God. Man tries to hide its sin from God. And you can consider the story of David and many others in the Word of God. Man tries to hide his soul from Almighty God. Consider Adam and Eve in the garden. They took fig leaves and they tried to cover themselves up. Why? They were trying to hide their souls before the Lord. And thirdly, man tries to hide himself. And we see this in Jonah running and fleeing on the Mediterranean Sea. It reminds me of Hebrews chapter 4. It says nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes to him who we must give an account. You see, church, you might think that you have a secret sin, but can I tell you, you don't. You might think that you have a secret sin because your spouse doesn't know, your children don't know, your boss doesn't know, your friends don't know, your pastor doesn't know, your deacon doesn't know, your elders don't know, but can I tell you, church, Almighty God knows. And God sees our lying, and God sees our cheating, and God sees our stealing. Psalm 69 and verse 5 says, you know my foolishness, my sins are not hidden from you. And God knows our foolishness today. He knows what we do. He knows where we go. He knows what we drink. He knows what we wear. He knows what we think. God knows what we hear. He knows, church, what we did before church, what we're doing after church, what we're doing during church. He knows when you delete your history and your searches. He knows when you delete phone calls and you delete text messages from, from your phone. And I happen to believe that sometimes God laughs when he sees us closing doors. And sometimes God laughs when he sees us closing windows. And God laughs when he sees us trying to travel to different states and going into different towns so we can engage in certain behavior. The truth this morning is this church, everything that exists in heaven and on on earth are in the presence of almighty God. God is almighty, yes, but he's also all-knowing. He's also ever-present. We can't hide from God. We can't run from God. Not now or in the future. You may cover your sins and you may cover your tracks so no one else knows, but you cannot hide it from almighty God. He knows this morning. Amen.
We used to sing a song as children. It said, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little hands, what you do for your Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For your father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little mind, what you think. For your father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little mind, what you think. Oh, be careful, little heart, what you love. For your father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little heart, what you love. May God give us the consciousness of a little child that everything we see and everything we hear and every word we say and every place we go and everything our hands do constantly is seen by the God who made us, who loved us, who gave himself for us, who's coming back for us, who someday will judge even the hidden secrets of our heart. Church, it's impossible in this life to run and to hide from almighty God. Amen. Immediately they pepper him with five questions. Why this trouble? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What, what people do you belong to? And he says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and who made the dry land. And look at verse number 12. He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea and the sea will become calm for you for I know that this great tempest is because of me. And so what do these sailors do? They decide to row even harder, but the harder they rowed and the harder they fall, the, the storm became even greater. Look at verse 15. They picked up Jonah. They threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the man feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. At times we often sail in the wrong direction. We find ourselves on the wrong boat in life. We may even stow ourselves away. We may seek to hide from his presence. We may be reluctant to follow the Lord. Yet, church, God does not give up on us. How many of you are thankful for that? God will do some pretty amazing things to get our attention. God's actually going to send a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah's going to spend three days and three nights in the belly of this great fish. Now, I happen to believe it was a whale. And I know many of you are going to be quick to point out, well, Pastor Joe, the scripture says it was a great fish. I, I believe it was a whale of some type, probably um, a blue whale, a sperm whale, or a sea creature of some sort. And for, for you skeptics here today, don't believe that it's possible for a man to be swallowed by, by a fish. You need to remember that, that Jesus referenced this, this Old Testament event in Matthew's gospel, chapter 12. He said, a wicked and an adulterous generation seeks for a sign. Well, none will be given except that of Jonah, who spent three days the belly of a whale. And the Son of Man will spend three days also in the earth. But consider the great lengths that God is going to go through to, to, to accomplish his will, to, to get Jonah's attention. God's going to send a storm. God's going to touch someone near him. 
God's going to send someone to Jonah. God's going to expose his disobedience. And God's going to prepare a great fish to swallow Jonah, the prophet of the Lord. Can you imagine this scene? How wild is this scene? The sailors, they pick up Jonah. And the same way that God hurled the the great wind upon the sea, they're going to hurl Jonah into the sea in the middle of a raging storm. And I'm sure Jonah's thinking to himself, this is my punishment for running from God. I'm certainly going to die. The moment he lands in the water, the sea becomes calm. And I wonder if Jonah's thinking, okay, well, let me see if I can get myself to the surface find one of those boxes of cargo that was just thrown overboard. Maybe I can float on it. And on his way to the surface, he, he looks and he sees this great fish and it comes and it, it swallows Jonah. How gross this morning. Who knows what was in that fish's stomach? Seaweed, half-digested little fish, seawater, bile, stomach acid, Gross. But church, if this isn't rock bottom, I don't know what is. Some of you are here today. You're not in the belly of a whale, but you've hit rock bottom. You may not even know why you're here this morning. Today, you're facing the consequences of your running. Can I tell you this morning, God set me here with the word of the Lord to get your attention. You see, church, God loves you. And that's why God sent this storm. And maybe you're here and no one has ever told you that they love you. Can I tell you, God loves you. Maybe you're here and say, Pastor Joe, no one has ever told me they, 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 they care for me. Can I tell you, God cares for you. So in chapter one, he's running from God. In chapter two, he runs to God. In chapter two, we have Jonah's prayer. From inside the fish, look at Jonah chapter 2 and verse 2 says, And Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from from the fish's belly. And, And Billy, you can come at this time, just begin to play softly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. How many of you are thankful that when we cry out to the Lord, when we hit rock bottom, the Lord answers us? Amen. Look at verse number nine. He says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. In other words, Jonah is saying, God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to go where you've called me to go. I'm going to say what you want me to say. And I believe that Jonah made things right with the Lord because the scripture says God heard his prayers and that God actually delivered him from the fish. Look at verse number 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. New Living Translation says spit Jonah out on the beach. The message says it vomited up Jonah on the seashore. Remember, we're, we're, we're in a series of messages called Shore Points. And can I tell you what I believe happened in that moment? A scene that we've seen so many times in the movie. Jonah's on his knees. He's on his hands. And he reaches down and he's clenching 
sand in his hand. He's thinking to himself, what just happened? Did that really just happen? And he immediately notices that his skin has been bleached white. Most of his hair has been dissolved because of the the acid in, in, in the stomach of the fish. Jonah stands to his feet. And there may be some of you here today. You've been might humbled by the mighty hand of God. You may be here and say, Pastor Joe, I've hit rock bottom. I've been running from God. I've been running from faith. I've been running from my responsibilities. I've been running from my family. And now you're on the shore. You've hit rock bottom. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do. Look at Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1. It's my favorite verse in the entire story. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying. How many of you are thankful the word of the Lord came to you a second time? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Some of you wouldn't be here today if the word of the Lord didn't come to you a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time. Amen. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, you see, church, when God commands us to do something, he does not withdraw his command simply because we ignore it or choose not to obey. Can I tell you, church, we serve a God of second chances. Amen. And God's army still uses wounded soldiers today. Amen. God doesn't write his people off when they mess up, but he forgives them. He restores them and he uses them again for his glory. Consider Moses. He was a murderer. Consider Mark in the New Testament. He abandoned Paul and Barnabas on the mission trip. He said, I'm leaving. He, he deserted them. He went home. Look at David. He messed up in a pretty big way. Think of Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times. Jesus forgave him. Jesus used Peter to be a mighty preacher of the word of God. Jonah was once running from God. Now he's running with the Lord. You know the story. You, you, you can read chapter 3. You can read chapter 4. He goes into Nineveh. Three days journey in the city. He's one day in, into Nineveh. He begins to boldly proclaim the message that God gives him and the greatest revival in the history of mankind breaks out in Nineveh from the greatest to the least they call a fast over a half a million people will respond to the call of God because Jonah was obedient the second time and we know at least 120,000 children will respond to the message but Jonah's heart was not made totally right. You can read chapter 4. He's still mad at the Ninevites. He's still mad at God because they got off the hook. He's still angry. He's still discouraged. He should have been praising God for all that God had done in that city. But Jonah's upset. 
And the book closes with him still in this condition. I'm closing right now. Maybe you're here today and you're running. I want you to know the Lord can restore you. The Lord can bless you if you will yield to him and go with his plan for your life. What is God speaking to you today? Is God trying to get your attention this morning? Is God trying to get you to do something? Is he calling you into a new ministry? Is he calling you into a deeper walk with him, to a new kind of work? What is God saying to you today? I'd like every head to be bowed. Every eye to be closed. I don't want to embarrass anyone. I don't want to put anyone on the spot. Worship team, if you can just come and get ready. Our time is slipping away. Maybe you're here today. Say, Pastor Joe, that's me. I'm running. And I've been running from a long time. And I'm running according to my own will. I'm running according to my own plan. And you're right this morning. All I've ever experienced and all of my running is heartache and pain and disappointment and frustration. And I've caused a lot of hurt to myself and hurt and pain and loss to, to others around me. And today God's got my attention. Today I want to respond to the word of the Lord. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to... I'm not going to put you on the spot if that's you. With, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, would you just slip up your hand? Pastor Joe, this morning, I readily admit that there's a secret sin in my life. I've been hiding it from a lot of people for a long time. But today, God is... God spoke to me. Today I recognize I can't hide from God anymore. No one's looking. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? Many hands. Many hands. You can put them down. And lastly, maybe you're here and say, Pastor Joe, I love God. I'm living for God. I'm serving God. I'm faithful in my relationship with God, but there's just an area of my life I haven't yet given over to God. I haven't fully surrendered my life to the Lord. Church, remember, Christ is not valued at all unless he's valued above all. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hands? Many, many hands, many, many hands. This is a message this is a word I believe from God. And it applies to all of us that are here today on some level or another. And our worship team is going to close with a song talking about the goodness of God. Because in God's goodness, God is here today. And God is speaking to our hearts. I want you to stand to your feet where you are. Come on, we, we, we have about five minutes. Stand to your feet. And all over this place, I want you to just slip your hands to the Lord.
And we're going to close with a song that talks about running into his embrace and running to God. And as we're worshiping, I want you to pray. And as we're worshiping, I want you to talk to God wherever you are in life, whatever, whatever it is that you are going through right now. Today, make a commitment that from this moment on, you're going to stop running from God. And you're going to run to God. And you're going to run with God. Amen. Come on, let's worship God as we close this morning. You are good, you are good When there's nothing good in me You are love, you are love On display for all to see